The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome all to the start of a new week here on Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. You know the same old stuff we tell you at the beginning of every show, but I'm going to do it again because you do every show like someone is listening for the very first time. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. And the Twitter handle is at hoopballfantasy. And a shout out to our guys over at hoopballgaming. In particular, the inimitable Troy Markowski, who after going another 2-0 on Sunday, is now hitting over 56% of his wagers, and he's up over 24 units on the NBA season right now. That is absolutely unreal, unheard of. I'm hanging around the midpoint all year, and I fancy myself a pretty damn good handicapper, and he is just obliterating all of us. So shout out to Troy. That's how we start our show today. Shout out to Troy. It is reverse chronological lightning round Monday. You guys know the drill by now, but for the handful of folks that don't, basically what this does is a weekend reset. We go through every game starting on Sunday and work backwards through each team's most recent basketball game. The goal of which is Because weekends are tough. Weekends are weird. We can't all pay attention to every single game that happens. It's very easy to sort of get lost in the shuffle because other things are going on in life. Even in the era of COVID, even if we're not going anywhere, there's just other things swirling around. We're not at our computer all the time on weekends. We've got kids dangling on our collars and other what have you. So it's a nice way to sort of get re-situated here for the start of All-Star Week's Most leagues are uh, combined. All-Star Weeks 1 and 2 tend to be rolled up into one. If you're in a league where they're not, talk to your commissioner about getting into one where they are because it's kind of insane to have a four-day week, which is what this is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have games. All-Star break goes Friday through uh, the following Wednesday, I believe. And then I think they're back on Thursday. If not, they're back on Friday. It's, It's about a week off, give or take. So that should be one week, because I think you're talking about eight days of games if you combine them versus four if you don't twice, which makes no sense at all. Random variability in a four-game week just, I mean, you could see the worst team in the league knock off the best team if the guy with the best team has a couple of stars that don't play the first two or last one or whatever it is on All-Star Week. So combine them. But that's a discussion for another day. Let's jump into t- the uh, our reverse chronological lightning round. And we'll go from there. Oh, oh, contest. Uh, we got a contest that I mentioned on Friday's show. And I'll mention it again today because I didn't get that many submissions over the weekend. And so I'm irritated with you guys. And I'm hoping that the reason that we didn't get that many submissions over the weekend is that most of you have already done it. So it was too late. But the contest especially for you newer listeners, is leave a five-star review on the podcast and write something. You have to write uh, a little snippet. It doesn't even have to be a word. Although I think it does need to be a word because Apple, I believe they filter through 
ratings and reviews and make sure that they're clean or not bunk or whatever. So I'm hoping that those of you that are doing this actually do subscribe and like the show. Uh, that would be... I mean, that'd be for the best. But, you know, whatever. Doesn't really matter. What you need to do is... And this works for those of you with iTunes or an Apple mobile device. Which is not everybody, I get it, so some of you sort of get squeezed out. But you could do it on someone's phone. Everybody knows someone with an iPhone uh, or has a computer and could and can put iTunes on it. You just need to have an, uh, an, an iTunes account, basically. So you go to the podcast app on your mobile device or iTunes on a computer of some kind. And you go to the podcast tab on the computer. Either way, you search for Fantasy NBA Today. Use the search function. Click on our show logo, not an episode name. If you're on a mobile device, you scroll to the bottom on the next page. That's where the ratings and reviews are. If you're on iTunes, there's a little tab, a button in the middle. You can click for ratings and reviews. So once you're there, you put a five-star rating, you write something nice, and then let me know you did it. It's just a two-part contest. Doesn't cost a dime. And I'm going to be drawing a winner... But I need to get enough submissions. I'm not going to draw a winner from like four or five of you. I need to get a, a real legitimate user base. And you know what? I don't even give a bleep if you guys stuff the ballot box. If you go get your mom's, your dad's phone, your sister, your spouse, your kid, and do it on their phone and do it on three or four different phones, just click the subscribe button and then rate and review the podcast. And then you can be like, and then screenshot it when you're done. You can screenshot it to me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line podcast review. It's very easy, and the winner is going to get gambling bucks, which I know doesn't move the needle for all of you, but it's not promo. This is actual cash in a sports betting account. If you don't have one yet, We'll walk you through setting one up, and we'll put cash into your account. If you already have one, we'll put cash into your account. It's as easy as that, and the more people that do it, the bigger the prize gets. So get on it, folks. Get on it immediately. Let's make this a really big contest. Okay, now, reverse chronological lightning round. Starting on Sunday morning, we'll work our way... Uh, it's backwards by day, but it's not actually backwards by time on the individual games. Clippers lost in Milwaukee to open things up on Sunday morning. There really weren't many surprises in this. In fact, I think there were none. Ivica Zubac struggled with the length and quickness of the Bucs. You sort of knew this was going to be a bad matchup for him. Uh, Paul George had a rough game. Kawhi was pretty solid. Serge Ibaka had a better one. This was sort of a better matchup for him. Uh, and the guy we were kind of watching on the Clippers was Nick Batum, because I've seen him getting dropped in a bunch of spots, but he played 30 minutes in this ball game, so he is still the guy at that spot on the floor. And I know this wasn't a compelling performance by Batum, but he still should definitely be on fantasy rosters. Drew Holiday came back, played 18 minutes off the bench for the Bucks. He's obviously going to make them a lot better as he gets his wind back after a pretty prolonged, and he was like 10 games with COVID. Wizards blew a late one here with Boston. Weird ball game. Celtics led by a bunch. Wizards came roaring back. Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, both big ball games here. Beal had 46. Bertans had 20 and five three-pointers. Five for five at the free throw line. Davis is all over the map these days, but this is the type of ball game that sort of reminds us of why we put out that buy low on him. 
And then with uh, Russell Westbrook, he actually wasn't horrible in this game. He didn't get many assists because Beal was doing a lot of it by himself. But, uh, you know, to Russ's credit, look, he's still been uh, pretty bad, like, kind of long-term here. He's been pretty bad. He's still not even, I don't think he's inside the top 200, but he has been a hair better. That's where we're at right now, a hair better. Jason Tatum, big ball game for the Celtics. That's nice. He sort of needed that one. Kemba Walker has been very good for Boston lately, 21-5 and 8 assists. He was really the only Celtic playing well for the first some 20-odd minutes of this ball game. And then uh, Daniel Tice, he's rebounded well after a couple of quiet ones. He had 20 Robert Williams played 17 minutes, which would normally be enough, but the defensive stats weren't there. The other stuff is kind of as expected, and you can keep riding him because 17 and change minutes, that's enough for the Time Lord and Daniel Tice. And there's it's going to be waves, you know, by the time you pick these guys, and, and Time Lord's probably on a team already, and frankly, Tice probably is as well. The problem is you're going to have these, you know, two or three down games for these guys, and they're they'll get... Maybe they get dropped, and then they'll get hot for two or three games. By the time they get picked up, you've sort of missed it, and it levels off to a useful bar where both of those guys belong on fantasy teams. With Washington, remember how we were going to try to track the center position? Just don't. Just don't. Lakers blew out the Warriors. They, they opened up a pretty good lead early, but it got ugly once Draymond Green turned his ankle and left. I think he left midway through the second quarter, if memory serves. They, the Warriors just have no shot without Dre anchoring their defense and orchestrating their offense, and so this was blowout rules early. No one played in any minutes in this ballgame. On either side, I mean, the one guy that sort of got turned a little bit loose was James Weissman, and he didn't do anything with it. He fouled out in 25 minutes. So LeBron carved him up. Marc Gasol got a quick start under his belt. Kuzma double-doubled. Damian Jones actually played eight minutes and then hurt his back, which is a re- I mean, that's a shame. Not laughing at him. Sort of an unfortunate circumstance. Lakers are a lot better with Dennis Schroeder. Not that he's done enough fantasy-wise, but as a perimeter defender and what he does within their team defense, he's uh, really important to them. What a pickup. Anyway, no notes on this ballgame. When you get a game that's over after two and a half quarters, you just sort of chuck the data and work to the next one. The Knicks beat the Pistons 109-90. to How about our buddy Nerlens Noel? Oh, man. Can we just stop and celebrate the magic of the Nerlens? Who now, by the way, is at the edge of the top 100 for the season, and that includes that really slow start. Over the last month, he's played 12 games. He's a top 60 fantasy player over that stretch in 27 minutes of ball game, and I would venture to say actually trending up. He's averaging seven, six and a half, about a steal and two and a half blocks in 27 minutes of ball game, and then you guys saw this one: eight and 11 with three steals and three blocks and four out of five shooting. It's one of the best lines of the night. R.J. Barrett had one of his bigger games, but kind of who cares? Derrick Rose filling in as a starting point guard. He's playing big minutes. I I don't know how his minutes go back down to the low 20s, even when Alfred Payton comes back. Rose has been too good. I think he's a rest-of-season guy, and I'm ashamed that I was getting ready to punt on him when his minutes had trended down for a few of those ballgames. There was always this this Thibodeau connection that we were waiting on, 
And he played 27 minutes in the game before Peyton went down, and then he's played big minutes with no Alfred. So obviously keep riding him when Peyton's out, but I think you're in pretty good shape even afterwards. Yes, I know the, the opponent here was the lowly Pistons right now who just really are not good without DeLon Wright and Blake Griffin, who fantasy-wise he's not doing anything these days, but actual orchestration-wise, they need that type of thing. As far as the Knicks are concerned, Emmanuel quickly, I thought he'd be a streamer without Peyton, but it doesn't look like it's going to quite get there anyway. Alec Burks has been the the bigger beneficiary, actually, with, with uh, Peyton out besides Derrick Rose. I'm not streaming Burks. I don't have enough confidence there. I don't have the stones to pull that one off. I'd rather stream Dennis Smith Jr., actually, on the other side, who is still a percentages killer, but... Saban Lee has kind of flamed out a little bit after a, a quick couple of ball games, And Dennis Smith has shown an interesting versatility where if he can just not take that many shots, he can actually be pretty useful right now. And, you know, a good example of that is just looking at a couple of his recent games. In fact, the last three, since he's kind of grabbed the starting job, he played 26, 27, and 27 minutes those three games. You know, he's not scoring a ton. He has 35 points over those three games. But he does have 11 rebounds, which is not terrible for a starting point guard. That's getting you about four boards a game. He is at 17 assists, so he's just under six assists per game. Six steals and two blocks in those three games. And that is actually a bit more sustainable because of how whacked out the Pistons' offense is with him or just with their current setup right now, because it's just, it's all over the map. Like, their defensive principles be damned. They're just chasing people at this point. And, you know, even before when Dennis Smith was playing bigger minutes in Dallas when he first broke onto the scene and his percentages, yeah, his percentages were terrible then, they're terrible now. He, he was still averaging about something like, I think his per 36 was like 1. 1.6, 1.5, 1.6 steals per game maybe a little bit higher than that. So the fact that he's getting over a steal a game in high 20s minutes is actually not that insane. It probably doesn't stick at, what did I just say, two per game. That's where he's at over the last three. And, you know, he has 12 steals in his last six, so that's actually still at two per game since he kind of started doing stuff. That probably doesn't stick. And he has seven blocks in that stretch. That likely doesn't stick either. But you know what? He's just going out there. He has a limited number of games to show that he can stay on an NBA roster. And so he's just he's pouring his whole butt into every single play, for better or worse. And that's going to lead to some defensive stats and, honestly, more rebounds and probably some more assists because he's out there just, you know, he's trying to make other people better. He knows that it's not going to be about scoring for him right now. So I'm actually okay with the Dennis Smith Jr. stream, even in category leagues, when you just have to pray he doesn't take that many shots. And also, look at opponents, too, because, you know, the Knicks are a good defensive team. The Pistons have Toronto, then the Knicks again, then Charlotte and Brooklyn after the All-Star break. But we might have DeLon right back by then. So, you know, maybe this whole thing explodes in our faces. I don't know what kind of game we're going to get in Toronto. That one's tomorrow. And then the Knicks again uh, in the last game before the All-Star break. I, I mean, I think you could make a case to stream him this week for two games and hope that he gets you four steals and a block or two and, and just sort of 
pray that he doesn't go three for 11 in each of those two ball games because he hadn't been actually his previous two. He'd shot the ball relatively well, and he's not taking any free throws. Thank heavens, because that would be another demerit. Otherwise, uh, we got a bigger game out of Isaiah Stewart, but I think uh, looking at the way this game played out and looking at kind of the substitution patterns, a lot of that was just because the starters were getting manhandled, so they just sort of tried some stuff. Josh Jackson almost got all of his points at the free throw line. Very weird performance, and the exact reason I am petrified to use him in category leagues. He went one for six from the field with five turnovers in this game. Yeesh. Atlanta didn't get much out of Trey Young, who played through a groin and an ankle injury, and if you didn't see an ugly one coming here, well, good luck to you. Guys playing through groin and ankle stuff don't tend to put up big numbers, especially against a team like Miami that's going to have an actual game plan for you. A lot of these teams are just like, whatever, we'll throw our fastball. The wise teams, the well-coached teams, come in and take Trey Young out of the ballgame. Pretty much every team that's done that has beaten the Hawks. In fact, I think I got to talk to our guy Brad Harden here on our HoopBall staff who covers the Hawks for uh, at HoopBall Hawks on Twitter. If you want to check them out, he has a hell of a podcast. But I, I don't think the Hawks have won a game against a team that runs a, a trapping defense. When Trey Young runs a pick and roll of any kind, they just trap him, get the ball out of his hand, and then figure it out from there. It's scramble drill at that point. But they're pretty sure that if Trey doesn't get going, the Hawks don't have that, you know, that that supernova. And so you're going to get big games out of John Collins and Capella and Herter. They're all going to take a bunch of shots, but they're not going to light you up the way that Trey does. And it's it's disruptive. And it's disruptive because on the misses, and Trey starts to get dejected, and guys are in different places than normal. You can run it back down their throat a little bit, too, if you want. Kendrick Nunn played well again. No Jimmy Butler for the Heat in this ballgame. Butler dealing with a sore knee. Hopefully he'll be back soon. I mean, you'd, you know, if you, this is another reason why you need to combine your All-Star weeks because if, if you're looking at a Butler who has, what, two games? I didn't look it up. I'm guessing. Sorry, guys. I'm guessing on this one. Let's say hypothetically he has two. If he missed both of those games with a sore knee and you ended up with a goose egg there, if you had both weeks to roll him out there, I mean, now you're talking. He didn't shoot the ball all that well in this game, aside uh, mostly from Kendrick Nunn, who had a big one. Uh, Bam Adebayo was fine, if unspectacular. Kelly Olynyk also fine. Duncan Robinson cooled off. I really don't know how they won this game, other than, again, taking Trey Young out of the ballgame. It's a lot easier, by the way, to pull off that particular trap when Trey isn't healthy, but the seven turnovers for Young. Another note, live ball turnovers out of a trap. Wrong guys are handling the basketball. I really don't know why every team in the league is not doing it, and some of them aren't. Hairbrain. Memphis, what an absolute clubbing. This has to be the bottoming out point for the Rockets, right? Has to be. The last game the Rockets won was against the Grizzlies almost four weeks ago. This is another one you can largely throw out your stats. Um, you know, a couple of good notes. Brandon Clark double-doubled in 20 minutes. Justice Winslow had 20 points in 21 minutes. I'm not picking him up. I know he had a good ball game here, but we know enough about his percentages to know that it, it's going to be a bumpy ride. 
DeAnthony Melton actually got 22 minutes in this game. Ah, man, is his fantasy stat said good. If someone could just guarantee me he's going to play 23 minutes of ball game, but we can't. The Grizzlies, their lineups are like this, whether or not it's a blowout. It's like 25 minutes a person and a few extra for John ja Moran, and, and that's every damn night. That's how it was in this one. Desmond Bain and Ja hit 26 minutes or more, and nobody else got close. You have to throw out your numbers on the Houston side. They put up 84 points, and the starters didn't even play late. John Wall was atrocious. No Victor Oladipo. Still no Christian Wood. I think that's sort of what they're hanging their hat on at this point. We're going to get Christian Wood back, and then we'll see what we've got. Jay Sean Tate was good enough, and no one else was any good at all. The rest of the team was horrible. So no data to pull away from this ballgame, and that's unfortunate because Houston is a team we're sort of data, data mining right now. Phoenix beat Minnesota by 19, but who doesn't these days? The Wolves have just no real offense to speak of. And Phoenix has arguably one of the best half-court offenses in the NBA. They'll slow you down, and they'll still pick you apart because Chris Paul is still the most brilliant point guard in the NBA. And Devin Booker woke up somewhere along the way. He still has a long way to go. Uh, but he is inside the top 60 over the last month. That's something. That's not nothing. Number 76 on the season. Oh, it's got to be better than that. 43-5-5. Five five. He had a block, good percentage in this game, one three-pointer. Like, you're not going to argue about this type of ball game, but it's crazy that he needs to put up 43 to float the fact that he's not hitting threes. He's not getting many assists this year. Steals and blocks are non-existent. DeAndre Aiden's had a couple decent ball games in a row. 22-10 and 10 with a steal. Good shooting made his free throws. He's actually pushed himself up to number 66 on the season now. So uh, finally cracked the top 70. He's now into the sixth round territory. Little by little, we're getting there. Chris Paul had 15 assists again. He's number 23 by averages. He's better than that by totals. Stay healthy, Chris. That's all. We'll keep sacrificing chickens or whatever we got to do over here to get you through another season. On the Wolves' side, it's just as much Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns as the world can handle. Uh, the Ant-Man, they call him, 24 points, five boards, three steals, two threes. He's going to crush you in field goal percent right now, but it's probably worth it, which is a weird thing for me to say because you know how wrapped up I get in field goal percent, but he's now taking so many shots and he's just doing so much that the negative field goal volume is being counterbalanced by him just being on the floor forever. You know, he played another 35 minutes in this game. That's team high. He had all six of his free throws. He had a weird game where he missed some free throws the other night, but he's actually decent there. He's now shown himself to be a pretty good defensive stats guy, which I don't think we knew was necessarily going to be the case because that's one of the things that's sort of weird to translate, but he's, you know, he's up around a steal and a block per game in his starters minutes, and it's actually been trending up since he's settled in. He's hitting some three-pointers. Like, there's a lot to like here other than the brutal field goal percent, which I don't think is getting any better. Well, maybe it gets a little better towards the end of this year, because it's not as like he's a point guard. He has athleticism. He can get to the bucket. He just, you watch him shoot a little bit. Have you guys watched any Timberwolves games? You probably haven't. So I'm not going to tell you you have to, but you should just to see him play because he's got ridiculous hops and he probably has the dunk of the year, which started a Twitter firestorm 
the the great nerd debate. <sighs> we don't need to get into that on today's podcast because people are confusing uh, nerds with fuddy duddies. There's there's a difference. I'm a nerd, and I take joy in every single. I watch. I watched a Wolves Wizards game the other night, and I derived joy from it. But that's not the point. the uh, The point here is Anthony Edwards takes fading jumpers, and he hasn't fully learned how to how to uh, sort of autocorrect for the direction he's fading. He's fading right, the shot tends to miss right or left. It's the directionality that's off with him. So those are type. Those are little things that, as he sort of gets used to the NBA, you might see that begin to self-correct as this season goes on if not this season probably by next year he's gonna be putting up some juicy fantasy lines at some point in his career my guess would be i think probably by later this year even starting to see hints of it now ricky rubio um you know i I will say one thing to the for the timberwolves in this ball game the uh the suns have a great defense so this is not a great one to to gauge them by but the rotations actually made a little bit more sense for Minnesota here than they did against, I think it was the Washington game a couple days back. Washington game, they ran a lot of Jared Vanderbilt and Carl Anthony Towns together, and it was a total mess because on every fast break and on every pick and roll, both of those guys went to the rim. And so there were two Wolves and two defenders in the paint all the time. And then the ball handler, who was sort of working his way down towards the paint. So his defender, like, there were six guys in the painted area a lot in that game. Wolves didn't do quite as much of that in this one. Now, they ran into a buzzsaw, so, again, not the best game to gauge progress. But I think Chris Finch is already noticing he needs guys out there that can space the floor a little bit and give Towns access to the front of the rim because he's going to be better down there than whatever other Yahoo they throw next to him. No pickups on the Wolves out of all of this stuff. No pickups on the Wolves. Uh, One thing I didn't like in this game was Jay Crowder missing all four of his shots in 27 minutes. I did like the 27 minutes, but that's a bad performance. That's a bad one. Charlotte beat Sacramento, one of the grossest losses that you will see all season long. Kings led this game, I believe, by seven with a minute to go and the basketball and missed five of six free throws. And the Hornets beat him on an and one. Buddy Heald turned his ankle. They brought in Corey Joseph, who promptly got roasted by Malik Monk. Just blew right past him for what would have been a game-tying layup, and Rashawn Holmes fouled him for an and one. Just just so disgusting. Uh, I would say the buy-low window on P.J. Washington is, is done. 42-9 and nine for P.J. Wowzers. That's a that's a welcome back to the fun party for PJ Washington, who is a top fifty player over the last month now. After really not being close to that prior to this ball game, I think he jumped two rounds on the year with this game. Lamella Ball's been awesome. Miles Bridges signs of life. I'm not going to read too much into that. He has these little mini blowups. Still waiting on Devonte Graham. Still waiting on Gordon Hayward, who's out with a wrist injury in this ballgame. So that allowed these other guys to, to get a little bit more, including Malik Monk, who is a great scoring streamer here as long as, you know, 40% of the starting lineup is out. And on the Kings side, poor Buddy Heald. Dude finally had a good ball game. He had eight three-pointers. He was shooting well, and he turned his ankle and limped to the locker room late. Uh, you know, I, 
I don't think I'm the riverboat gambler that would say to go buy on the Heald right now, but you could get him for pennies right after getting injured going into the All-Star break. This would be a really easy time to go get someone who's hitting four threes a ball game, and you have to assume at some point he'll stop shooting 38%. It might not happen. He might shoot 38% for the whole year. He might just be a total head case this season, but it sure seems like it'll come up just based on portfolio. Marvin Bagley's been a little bit better lately. He's still uh, truly awful on the season overall. Not He's another guy like Westbrook that's not inside the top 200, but he's top 150 over the last month, and he's made a case for himself in points leagues at the very least. He was better in this one, but just like always, he missed his two free throws. He was one of the culprits down the stretch. Can't do that. Harrison Barnes still playing well. He got dropped in one of my leagues. I had... I was like fifth in waiver priority, and I couldn't believe nobody else grabbed him. So lucky me. Turn the clock back to Saturday, but before we do, I want to thank all of you guys that went out and checked out expressvpn.com slash hoopball last week. I'll remind you guys what it is a little bit later this week, but a big fat thank you to all of you that visited that website. I think a couple of you got it, and uh, that really means the world to us over here. So this week we'll be going back to telling you about our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Now's a great time to do it. Why, you ask? March Madness coming up. March Madness is coming up. You got to get in there, man. This is the time. This is the time. Open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL. Make that first deposit and hit me up on Twitter. Let me know you did so. I might have something for you. I might have something for you. Again, that promo code is HOOPBALL over at mybookie.ag. They've got the best lines and the fastest payouts in the industry, a trustworthy online betting outlet that works everywhere in the United States and Canada and, I believe, in some other countries as well. We've had that question before. you got to go check them out again. Open a new account with promo code HOOPBALL. Make that first deposit and hit me up, and I'll put something fun in your pocket. All righty, back to Saturday we go now, officially. A little... A little break in there. Cleveland beat Philly in overtime. That game took overtime to get to 221 points. Isaac Okoro played a really nice ball game. He has shown himself to be a solid young NBA player. And the Cavs are actually playing better as a team right now, but they still really need Larry Nance and uh, Kevin Love back. So uh, hopefully we'll see those guys on the other side of the All-Star break. In the meantime, you're not making any moves with this team because those guys are coming back, and that'll kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. Philly, we're waiting on some kind of word from Tobias Harris. I, I thought he was supposed to get evaluated on Sunday, but I didn't actually get any kind of update. Frickin' Korkmaz took his starting spot, but Shake Milton actually played most of the minutes there. If you have the gall to roll the dice with any of those backups, you're a better man than I or woman. I wish it was Matisse Thybul, but he has just no offensive game at all to speak of. And so you're going to see some Shake Milton time. Uh, you'll see some Korkmaz. If he gets hot, there's just too many guys that are vying for the same minutes. And that is not good. We've talked Minnesota. We've talked Washington. Denver beat Oklahoma City in a wild blowout. It was just one of those games where the Nuggets hit every dang shot they took. You can pretty much throw out the OKC side because Theo Maladone had a clunker after having a really nice ball game. And unfortunately... That probably makes him a guy that you can't really roster nightly. And it's looking more and more like Oklahoma City is just Al Horford and Shea 
at least for now. And maybe that shifts over time. Maybe they move some other bodies out. Maybe they move some bodies in. But, you know, Darius Baisley, he had a better ball game here, but even his good ones really don't move the needle the way that they kind of need to. Denver's side, we've kind of been tracking the potential streamers. Facundo Campazzo had three more steals. He's turned himself into a little bit of a steals specialist streamer. Monty Morris, 13 points, three assists. He's a very quiet streamer, not really my favorite. You're kind of hunting upside there. And then this one was really more about the main guys. Michael Porter Jr., 20-10. and 10. Jokic, triple-double. Jamal Murray, 26-5. and 5. And they got it all done in you know about 30 minutes or less. It's like ordering a pizza. Pelicans in San Antonio. How do you not win this game? Come on, New Orleans. Get your act together. Uh, Spurs did a pretty good job on Zion in that they kind of kept the Pels from using him as much because he still had 23 and 14 and 5, but he only took 15 shots. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram each had more shots. I, look, Ball's been playing well lately, but Zion needs to be taking more shots than Lonzo. Ingram you can certainly make a case for. Uh, but the Spurs just, you know, they play smart. They play smart. They find ways to win. DeMar DeRozan was great. DeJounte Murray was great. LaMarcus Aldridge looked pretty good off the bench in this game in only 23 minutes. 5 of 10 from the field, 10 of 10 at the free throw line. Had himself some foul issues. Jakob Pertl did too, but he still had 6 and 11 with a steal and three blocks. Keep rolling both of those guys out there right now. Trey Lyles chewed up some extra time in this one. They needed to use bodies on Zion, basically. So uh, they went pretty big. They didn't want LaMarcus getting creamed there. I don't think that Lyle sees this kind of run every ball game. I think you probably see more Pirtle and Aldridge when Zion's not on the other side, but it remains to be seen. So let's let's scout this team out. In the interim, keep one eye on Lyles in case he locks up a 35-plus minute role here in the short term. I mean, we're talking about a two-game sample size, basically, because on the other side of the All-Star break, I would assume we see the likes of Rudy Gay, Keldon Johnson, Derek White, all of those cats. Anywho, no large changes being made here. We'll move along to the next one. Indy lost in New York. We already talked about the Knicks a little bit, but let's talk about the Pacers because Jeremy Lamb finally left this ballgame with a sore knee in the fourth quarter, and I do have to wonder if that has anything to do with his slowdown in the last couple of ballgames. And I must admit I'm torn on Jeremy Lamb because I love his production this year, but I don't love the fact that his minutes have been trending down, and now it looks like he's dealing with a thing. And this is a guy coming off of massive injuries, so I don't think they're going to push him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sit through the All-Star break, and I don't know that he's a must-own guy on the other side if he's sort of playing with a uh, biological now restriction that he's just such a massive injury they can't play him 28 29 minutes a ball game even if they wanted to Doug McDermott is playing 20 some odd minutes a night TJ McConnell filled in for Malcolm Brogdon here but he was he was a guy you should have been starting anyway and then we're still waiting on Karis LeVert and TJ Warren sounds like LeVert will probably be back sometime in March with Warren we still don't know you could squat on both of them if you wanted to. I mean, at the, the way things are going right now, the fact that Doug McDermott is getting 11 to 15 shots a game and now Jeremy Lamb is hurt again, you know, uh, and T.J. McConnell's been playing so much, you might actually see Carries LeVert step into a much larger role than I had anticipated even two or three weeks ago. So I would stash either one or maybe even both of those guys if you have the room. Maybe you could just do it during the All-Star break and if you get any kind of update, make a move from there. 
So, yeah, I guess I'm okay with moving on from Lamb for now. He's sort of turned himself into a percentages specialist, and you need to be playing more for those to impact your fantasy team. Utah whipped Orlando, another game where, you know, whoever the Jazz were playing hang in there for a little bit and then slowly fritter away. Mike Conley was getting a little maintenance, so Joe Ingles... Immediate streamer. No other news on the Utah side. Rose O'Neal, 7-10-4. Same old stuff. With Orlando, we've been semi-tracking Michael Carter-Williams, and it's games like this that make it so he will never be a category guy and probably not a points league guy because he just doesn't get to do enough. And that number, the doing enough number, is going to go down for him when Aaron Gordon comes back. Meanwhile, by the way, Dwayne Bacon played 29 minutes in this game, which is going to be relevant when I wrap all this stuff together into an explanation. Al Aminu played 22 minutes as he continues his slow plod upward off of... I mean, dude hasn't played in like almost two calendar years now. And if you're wondering, will Aminu suffer when Aaron Gordon comes back? My initial thought was probably. But now that we're seeing Dwayne Bacon play 29 minutes, it's quite conceivable they just move Gordon down to the small forward spot, which throughout his career, I've said you got to play him at power forward, but no matter where you play him, he doesn't seem like he wants to play around the rim. So screw it. Just play him at small forward at this point. Like it doesn't really make any difference. He's going to be small forward if he's still on the team next year with Jonathan Isaac. Anyway, Isaac has to be the power forward there. So screw it. Play him at power, play him at small forward. Then what do you do? Is Aminu your basically full-time power forward? Has he completely supplanted Kem Birch because he can space the, space the floor a little bit, hit the three, and get some rebounds, steals, and blocks? I don't know. I don't know. It's another thing to track. Just one more thing. And I bring it up that way because no one needs to make a move on Aminu right now and probably won't for weeks. And I wouldn't recommend doing it until we see what goes on with Aaron Gordon. But just know, we've got it in the back of our heads. Dallas beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn was without Kyrie in this one. This was a shoulder maintenance day for him. Jeff Green played, but then I think he ended up leaving with a sore that same sore shoulder again. So who knows about that, Brian? In any event, Bruce Brown is a terrific streamer, as long as all of these guys are out. And he was doing fine even when Kyrie was playing. Turns out the Nets kind of need two stars. Or even, like, serviceable NBA players around James Harden. This was James Harden and a real grab bag of weird. So the Mavs kind of had a field day. Luka did it quickly. Jalen Brunson, he's been playing well lately. Really hard for him to float his value, although he did get two steals in this one. Chris Stops was back. He had three blocks. Dorian Finney-Smith had... Uh, solid ball game, but he really hasn't been there much lately. I think the news in this one is the continued annoyance that is the Dallas Mavericks. Brunson is the closest now. He's kind of jumped over Tim Hardaway just because he's been so much more efficient than Hardaway. And Josh Richardson, I like, yeah, we, we talked about that on the Friday episode. He's, he's cooked at this point. His goose is cooked. 
I'd rather stream Bruce Brown. This is, of course, the year of the streamers, so you might as well just cash in on guys that have this wide-open runway. Even with Kyrie back, he's fine, provided Jeff Green and Kevin Durant are both out. That means the minutes and the touches will both sort of be there. Anybody not play over the weekend? we got to play this game at the end of our reverse chronological round every single time. It's the, did we, do we need to go all the way back to Friday game? We do, by the way. Toronto didn't play over the weekend, but they are not an interesting fantasy team. If only, well, they're also their games are all postponed anyway. So the hell with that, because I don't know how they... Mm, I have concerns, and I, and I pray that everybody turns out fine, but Toronto beat up on Houston in this game on Friday without Pascal Siakam, and without their entire coaching staff, basically, because of COVID exposures. We didn't really know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, it went from just Siakam to a bunch of guys who had to go into health and safety protocols because of contact tracing. But how is that not a thing before this Friday game? Were they still trying to figure out? Like, did... Was Siakam a contact? This is the only way I see this making sense and not being a super spreader event, which I'm hoping is what we're looking at here. Siakam had an exposure. And I guess the coaching staff must have had that same exposure. Like, I don't know how the coaching staff and Pascal Siakam were the two guys that had the exposure. But then Siakam must have then tested positive. Or the coaching staff tested positive. One of those guys that was out for contact tracing became a positive a day or two later which meant that the game against Houston was fine because the guys that were on the court had been exposed to someone who was not yet a positive. They got exposed to Pascal Siakam presumably on Thursday when he had had an exposure but didn't know it yet, but hadn't yet developed his own viral load, getting into the, getting into the weeds on this one. But then... We assume sometime between Saturday night and Sunday morning, a Siakam test probably from Saturday in the daytime came back positive, or it doesn't have to be Siakam, it could be one of the coaching staff also. One of those five or six guys that was in health and safety protocols came back positive, and so all of the team members that they were in contact with on Friday or Saturday morning or whatever it was, a few hours before the positive test came back, they now all went into health and safety protocols. But I assume this game went on happening because Siakam's test or all of the coaching staff or whoever, all of their tests and the players' tests all came back negative from that day. And hopefully everybody else on the team's tests came back negative on Saturday. But the, the, the people they were exposed to, someone in that group had a positive. So we'll know if anyone else on the Raptors ends up positive probably, you know, another three-ish days from now. But their games are postponed through the All-Star break anyway, so screw it. I assume they are. I don't think they've announced that yet, but I, I can't imagine it's any other way because they're going to need all these other guys to sit seven days while they get tested every day to see if any of them get a positive. That is my guess as someone who... Yes, I did actually study molecular biology in college, but this is really about logic. Things take time to incubate. A test is going to show you a positive. If someone was exposed to you before the positive test, they're not in, in danger at that point. 
But if they're exposed to you in some gray area where you're sort of waiting for the test to come back, I wonder if we see any Houston games postponed. That's that's my wonder here. I think the answer is probably no, because I think what probably happened is that Siakam, or again, it could be one of the coaching staff, one of those guys that was out on Toronto, and then I'm going to wrap up this discussion, was with the team on Thursday, Friday, whatever, they found out they had an exposure in there on Thursday or Friday, Thursday, whatever it was. So they got pulled, but they had now had been around the team, okay? But that team hadn't had the same exposure, so they weren't in jeopardy of developing the positive. But once that other player did develop the positive, then they had to start postponing games. Anyway, anybody else that played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend? I don't... This is a slow-mo. Chicago. Chicago got beat up by Phoenix. No real interesting news in that game other than Wendell Carter Jr. got owned by DeAndre Ayton. Nothing else jumped out at me, at least. Uh, Bulls game ended up getting postponed on Sunday because they were going to play against the Raptors. So nothing on the Bulls' side, though. That's, that's good. They're fine. The issues were not on their end of the, the table. And Portland didn't play over the weekend, which they desperately needed. The Blazers were very tired. Portland had one home game, I think in the span of like 10, like a four or five game road trip. Then they came home for one and then went back out on the road for three or something crazy. So this is sort of their first deep breath. I think they probably come back looking pretty rested in their next one. Fantasy-wise, Derek Jones Jr. is your streamer right now, uh, waiting on a CJ McCollum update. There's still hope that maybe he's playing on the other side of the All-Star break, but I would guess maybe a week, two weeks later. Either way, you're holding, because he was dominating this year. And, in fact, I think if you're going to the full season numbers, McCollum was number six before he got hurt. But now he's missed, whatever it is, six weeks on a four-week timetable and and growing. We already promoted my bookie. I already told you about that contest. So there really isn't much else for me to tell you about on today's show other than our buddies over at manscaped.com. Make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL20 when you get your goodies at Manscaped. The Lawnmower 3.0, built-in LED light and pinch-free technology. My wife is actually currently wearing a Manscaped gigantic T-shirt. Yeah, she's, she's modeling it like this is a video show. It's not. It's not. Sorry. You're not actually on this thing. I know, sad times for her. Let's talk about Monday night's games. Uh, interesting ones, actually. I, from a, a betting perspective, they're probably more interesting than fantasy. Let's do a fantasy rundown here because I'm recording this before some of the lines are in. Indy is at Philadelphia with, I would guess, Jeremy Lamb sitting this ball game out. We don't know the status of Malcolm Brogdon, so there's a lot of potential streaming activity in Pacers country. Philly, same kind of thing. We don't know the deal with Tobias Harris. We will assess as it gets closer unfortunately you can't really make your moves in advance unless they they give us news the day before dallas in orlando with the mavericks i think jalen brunson is probably your guy to watch on the magic side eh, not really much of anything i mean these, uh, yeah it's a pretty boring fantasy game there utah new orleans that's a pretty boring fantasy game too Brooklyn at San Antonio. That's a little bit more interesting, I guess. Spurs are missing a bunch of guys. you got some streaming opportunities there. Brooklyn, I assume Kyrie will be back. But health of Jeff Green is also in question. 
KD out through the All-Star break, so at least we have a timeline on that. Streamers in that one. Denver at Chicago. I think they've ruled out Harris, Millsap, and Green already. So you can probably roll Compazzo out there for another ballgame if you want. Get you some threes and some steals, maybe a few assists if you're lucky. Wendell Carter Jr. might be in for another rough night. He goes from DeAndre Ayton to Nikola Jokic. It's schooling time, which is a shame because he was really ramping up hard prior to that. Bulls are fun these days. They've, they're, they're not an awful team. Thank goodness. They deserved better than the last few years. They really did. Cleveland at Houston. Houston is the side you're watching. This is These two teams played each other less than a week ago. And the Rockets got rocked, and they got drilled on Sunday. So this is the is-there-any-pride-left game. Is John Wall going to rest on the back-to-back? Does that mean Oladipo will play in this half of the back-to-back? What about guys like Eric Gordon? I mean, that team is is in a frantic tailspin. I don't know how you back them right now. But we are still wondering what's going down with P.J. Tucker and a possible trade. Jay Shantae, Daniel House picking up some wing minutes. Houston is definitely a team we're data mining. Charlotte on the back-to-back in Portland after their crazy win in Sacramento. you got to wonder what they have left in the tank. Certainly riding high after the victory, so maybe that'll carry them. The euphoria. But the Blazers are well-rested here. Pretty good opportunity for Portland to try to grab a win. Huge rest advantage. But we shall see. We shall see. Fantasy-wise, you know, it comes down to who's healthy enough to play on the Charlotte side. With Portland, they're an open book. Dame is going to do a lot. Cantor, Rocco, Trent, Derek Jones Jr. Those guys are all fantasy useful right now. And that, ladies and germs, is your 50-minute reverse chronological lightning round Monday episode of Fantasy NBA Today. No deep dives on today's show and a couple of short promos. And I will remind you all again here at the end of the podcast to please participate in our rating review-a-thon for an opportunity to win cold Hard gambling cash. We'll put it in your pocket. Earlier in the podcast, I think I said I'd put something fun in your pocket, and then I realized after I said it, I gotta be more careful there. It'll probably be digital bucks, but not promo bucks. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not going to give you like a buy one, get one type of thing. This contest is going to have HoopBall sending you money for your betting pleasures. We want you to double it, triple it, quadruple it with our wager pass at hoop-ball.com. Tell you what, tomorrow, Tuesday's show, I'm going to tell you all about the wager pass. Today, I'm not going to inundate you. Quick reminder, that's the contest. Rate and review the pod, leave a message, and shout us out on Twitter or by email, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, to get in that contest for a chance to win some cash. Open up an account in my bookie with promo code hoopball. Get products at Manscaped with promo code hoopball20. And follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And finally, I added one more thing to the list of stuff you need to do. Have a lovely Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.